Render Radio. My name is Cliff Thompson, and it's my privilege to be able to host you here and navigate you as we go through topics and discuss different things such as leadership, overcoming and persevering through crisis, how to pivot, how to manage and lead people, how to move through challenges, and how to take opportunities. We want to be able to do this through sharing stories from a whole range and variety of different perspectives and different walks of life. I ask and I hope that you are able to sit back and enjoy these conversations as we introduce them to you in each one of these episodes. So enjoy, kick back, and listen as we take you on the journey of Render Radio. Today's episode is a special one where we throw back to 2020 right in the heart of lockdown in New Zealand and we navigate this conversation with a man named John Tucker. Now, Dr. John Tucker is a a theologian, but he's also the principal of Kerry College and he's got a unique and special journey both into his pathway around leadership, his journey into pastoral leadership and how he navigated from the legal world into his calling and even uh, into leading one of New Zealand's top theological colleges now. But the story and the conversation is not just about schooling, about education, and about theology. We actually dive deep into what it takes to lead people, to make decisions, and to pivot through crisis. I pray you enjoy today's conversation with Dr. John Tucker. Fairly early into the piece, we're going to bring our guest, our special guest in tonight. And it's a real privilege uh, tonight to bring this man in. Uh, he's a great man, a man of esteem. And for us here in South Auckland, it's not often that you get to sit with a principal um, for good reasons uh, and, and, get to, and you get to roast your principal and have some fun with your principal. Um, but now we're going to um, we're going to bring in, in any second now um, John Tucker, the Honourable John Tucker, the, the Right Honourable John Tucker, into the show tonight. Kia John. Kia ora, John. Great to hey, hear you. Kia ora. Really Good nice to see you guys. Bro. Yeah, you too. And thank you again for making the time to come on and uh, enlighten us and encourage us. And I feel just so much wiser now just having you on my screen. Yeah. My, my levels of wisdom have increased by 10% just by having you on. <laughs> and I must say, I must say, um, you know, I, 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 it's it's just a privilege to be able to have such a good-looking Christian on the show as well. I mean, second to Bodie, but they, they don't call him <laughs> handsome John for nothing. That, <laughs> that, that's right. Such a good-looking guy. But anyway, let's stop man crushing right now and let's get into uh, having this conversation uh, with you, John, without giving too much away. On a real serious note, John, maybe just to start with, tell our, our, our viewers, people that are watching tonight and people that might even re-watch this, you know, for those who don't know you and uh, a bit about who you are, if you start there, who are you? What's your, your whānau makeup? Where are you from? Uh, give us a bit of that corridor to start with, John, and then we'll pick up the conversation up from there. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, yeah, so John John Tucker, I, I um, uh, am raka. Te I um I grew up in Mount Albert, Oweraka, my Maunga. Grew up in the in the shadows of that beautiful mountain. Um, <laughs> so really an Auckland boy, Central Auckland. Um, uh, 
um, ended up um, ended up uh, coming to faith in Jesus uh, at Mount Abbott Baptist amongst the community with beautiful people there. Um, mm. Ended up uh, making my way to Auckland University, studied law, ended up um, as a young lawyer, uh, litigation, commercial litigation, didn't really enjoy it, particularly realised after a couple of years of practising law, that was long enough to know I didn't want to spend the rest of my life doing law in, in my case. So um, found myself at a bit of a crossroads and ended up um, really sensing that that God was saying, I want you to study theology for a season. So I ended up at Kerry, a theological college, trained mm. there um, to be a pastor and ended up pastoring a church on the North Shore where we still live, um, but made my way from there into a into a doctoral program at Otago University, did some study on the history of the church, our whakapapa, um, yeah. and uh, really passionate about that. And in the, in the course of doing that study, uh, was invited onto the, the team at um, at Kerry, Kerry Baptist yeah. College, a theological college in Penrose. And I've been there for the last 10 years and, and loving it, and the last couple as principal. Yeah. 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 So so with that, um, maybe if I can ask, we're going to see a few photos in a moment, but uh, what's your family dynamic? Uh, you know, your yeah. family, your kids, you yeah, make yeah. up yeah, cool. So, um, so I'm married to Lorraine, um, and uh, we've been married for twenty, twenty years. Yeah, over twenty wow. years. Coming up twenty five years actually. <laughs> um, yeah. and we've got um, and she also uh, works with me at Kerry. Um, and then we've got three kids, three teenage, well, two teenage girls, um, seventeen and fifteen, Emma and Sophie, and a little boy who's twelve, but going to be a teenager at the end of the year. So, um, so that's our family. Um. Yeah, and we're in absolute chaos at the moment because we've been um we were trying to sell our house last year and it didn't quite work oh. out for one reason or another. And then we put our house we bought a house and put our house on the market the very next day. And that that day or that week was when the the Corona COVID nineteen yeah. crisis on the distance, kind of on the horizon, started to break against the shores of Aotearoa and um. And uh, we went through to a, an auction meant to be what one weekend, a few weekends yeah. ago, and um, and it got cancelled because that was the first weekend of lockdown. So we've right. been sitting here in a house thinking, oh no, we we need to kind of make this move in a few weeks. And um, and we just found out yesterday that our, our house is sold, but that we have to move out on Saturday. So oh, eighteen right, years right. living living here, and and we've got what two and a half days to 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 Man. pack up and, and clear out. So and you're on the yeah, show. Great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone else is up here. Hey, yeah. priorities, right? <laughs> no, that's awesome, John. Thank you so much for for giving us some insight into that, yeah. and also to the chaos. Hey, look, one thing you, you said there is you gave us that sort of really um, condensed version of your story and, and your background. You talked about, and, and something that sort of made my ears prick up. You talked about becoming a pastor and yeah. and being a leader for that for for a season over the, the shore. Um, in that season, what what was it that in particular led you to uh, feeling the call on your life to to be a, a pastor, a shepherd? Because I mean, even as a principal yeah. now, you're still shepherding people, but just in a different yeah. context and yeah. a different way. Mm -hmm. But what was yeah. it initially that drew you to yeah. uh, feel like the call of pastoral leadership, yeah. shepherding people, was on your life? Oh yeah, great question. I'd love to talk about that. I um I remember as a youngster, like a probably a young teenager, and then going into young adulthood, um, experiencing something. My my heart warmed. Something special happened when 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 I heard preaching. When I heard someone opening up the Word of God and speaking um, that 
um, over a congregation, over a gathering of people. Something special happened. I almost felt the sense that I was drawn towards it. And I didn't know why, but, I, you know, like, I, 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 I would hate to do that. That would be terrifying. And yet I can't yeah. help but, like a moth to the flame, I, I kind of, I feel as though I'm going to do that. Yeah. Really strange kind of sensation. But um, but then one day we were given there was a an opportunity to do a short preaching course at at um at church, and I was twenty, and I did that. Ended up as part of the course, I had to preach at church, and um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I thought it was a train wreck, but um, but uh, someone came up to me, a lovely old lady, the the next week after I'd preached, and she said, I am. Um, I was at a kind of like a, a prayer meeting during the week, and I just had a vision of you. Mm-hmm. And you're going, you, you're preaching. You're holding the, the Bible in your hand, and you were speaking a word from God to people. It was life giving, and um, and I think I think God's saying that you need to prepare for this. And I thought, okay, thanks, lady, that's really nice. But I'm training to be a lawyer, and you know, I've got another path. So I, yeah. I went off to law, did that for a bit. Um, but then I realized, you know, there was this deep sense of dis-ease about the path that I was on and this calling that wasn't really mine and um, as, a, as a lawyer. And I felt this voice kind of, you know, the Lord saying, you've, you've thought about preaching, you've had this draw, this calling, and you've right. often thought about doing study in, in theology because you just want to, you want to put your roots down deeper in your faith. You want to know me better. You want to be better equipped to, you know, to, to, to live for me and with me in this world. So, why don't you go study theology and um and I'll, and I'll make it clear what you're to do from there. And so it just seemed like that's where God was saying I should go. So I turned up at Kerry as this young kind of washed up somewhat frustrated <laughs> lawyer thinking what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I don't know, but I do know I'm meant to be here for this season right. studying the scriptures and 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 really kind of putting some foundations down in my faith. So yeah. I found myself there for 3 years as it turns out. Um yeah. because people there at in, in the Kerry community said, we see something in you. You should be training to be a pastor. Don't just study theology. Like you need to be formed to be a pastor yeah. leader. And I was like, right. well, I don't see that. But if mm. you see that, and if um, and if my pastor sees that, and if others in the community of faith around me who know me and who I trust are saying that over my life, yeah. then I'll trust you. So I, I went on to the pastor leadership training program, but I was still feeling this inner anxiety, a bit of angst, like, is this really me? You know, like, yeah. it's quite a thing to be a pastor. Like, I think, you know, there's a, there's a, a burden and a responsibility with that. And I, so I was still, I was still in two minds and I was sitting in chapel at Kerry one day in my last year of study there, I was crying out to God saying, Lord, yeah. if this is you, if Jesus, if you are calling to me, if this is you, tell me to come to you on the water. I need to hear you really clearly. Yeah. Um, and I was sitting in this chapel service one day and um, and someone's reading the words of John 21 when the risen Christ uh, accosts Peter on the beach. You know, Peter's right. denied him three times, yep. but in front of a charcoal fire on the night that Jesus was, you know, was arrested and and Jesus makes this charcoal fire on the beach for Peter and he says, hey, um, Peter, do you love me? Three times he asks him, do you love me? Yeah. Just, you know, like like Peter three times and said, I don't, I don't know him and yeah. denied him. And um, and each time Peter goes, Well, yes, I do love you. You know, I want to love you. And Jesus mm-hmm. says to him, Then feed my sheep, take mm-hmm. care of my lambs, feed my lambs. And I was hearing this this passage being read out, and people would sit around me, just they were just, you know, this is just the chapel service, you know, we we sit in these every week. But the risen Jesus was in that room right then saying yeah. those words to me, John, do you wow. love me? And I, I don't know how, but I just knew in that moment he was saying, yeah. if you love me, 
then I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to be a preacher. I want you to speak my word. I want you to mm. build up and care for my people. And and so I just knew in that moment I was going to be a pastor. And um and yeah, that was one thing led to another. Yeah, uh, so yeah. so good, John. And um, I just think about that. And you're talking about that that story there. You're sitting there. You hear that call, but you also mentioned that there are a number of people that had sort of maybe even seen it before you'd you'd seen it. Um, they'd seen something in you that you know something was revealed to them. How how did you how, how and someone that might be listening to this right now, how do they, um, whether it's courage or we call it you know it might be craziness or spiritually taking that step of faith, how does someone do that even though they're not they might not quite be sure or they they hear others saying look I can see this in you, uh, what is that maybe one or two things or what is that thing that that helped you say you know what I'm going to press in. I'm going to put my fear aside or my anxiety aside or not being sure aside and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to step into it. I'm going to take some courage. What was that moment for you? Or, or how did you come to that revelation? How might others be able to, to know that voice of God as well? Yeah. I think it comes differently for everybody. Like, I don't think there's just a template that, you know, like that suits everyone. Um, In my case, um, I needed to hear Jesus because of my, my sense of, weakness um i needed to hear him very clearly and so you know in that chapel he mm. he chose to use the words of john 21 to say you know if you love me this is what i'm asking of you john i want you to give your life to to to, to feeding my sheep um but that was i mean I, I think of david in the bible and 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 the story of you know this young shepherd boy who becomes king of israel and wow. um you know a prophet not unlike that that old prophetic voice of the lady mm. who came to me you know in church that night um a prophet Samuel comes to David and anoints him with oil and says, this is the anointing of God on your life. You're going to be king of Israel one day. And David's like, oh, okay. Um, and then he's out there in the fields, you know, playing his harp, um, you know, looking yep. after the sheep, fighting off the bear and the wolves. And, and he's, he's learning these skills, but he's also reflecting, I'm sure, on, you know, on those words of Samuel. And then, and then he has these experiences where he suddenly finds himself, you know, defeating giants on behalf of the Israel army and, and getting called into, into the king's service. And he's moving in the direction, it would seem, of, of, you know, of serving one day maybe as king. And then the people of Israel come around him when he's being chased by Saul, a you know, jealous king chasing him, and 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 people gather around David and they say, Look, we see something in you. We think you're going to be the king one day after Saul. And they gather around him. And then ultimately, you know, Saul's own son, Jonathan, comes up to him and says, Look, I know I'm not going to be king, even though I'm the, the king's son. It's going to yeah. be you, David. And um, and so I just I look at a story like that and I and I see, you know, there's there's someone who's who feels something subjectively inside, but he's also experiencing this this narrative, this these voices out from outside. There's an objective call where the community identifies they discern something, as mm. well as the person themselves discerning something. And for me, that's really significant with making a decision. If um if we've got a sense that the Lord's calling us somewhere, and the rest of His people um think, nah, it doesn't seem right to us, then mm. that's you know that should give us pause for you know cause for concern yeah, yeah. um but but in my case there was a there was a kind of like a um a resonance between what i had sensed the lord was saying and what others yeah. were identifying yeah and and so that that was i mean I, I don't trust myself to always discern to listen you know perfectly to what jesus is saying at all but but if there's yeah. a whole bunch of people who are all saying the same thing you know then then it's time to sit up and listen mm. yeah no, no i love that because i mean i think uh, even on my own journey 
so far uh, those things resonate with having uh, those other voices in your life that can just give you that that guidance that clarity that that revelation even of yeah. what god uh, might be nudging you you toward cuz now if we progress it forward a little i mean obviously you wouldn't i'm i'm pretty certain just from hearing the story you hadn't have imagined at the time that you were going to end up not let alone being a lawyer pastor and and then one day that the principal um of, of Kerry College um but but yet here you are and God's taking you on that journey so if we fast forward to now or the last few years as the principal of Kerry College uh, something like COVID-19 hits and it's something that catches most people unaware um in those moments for you now you've got a whole faculty uh, a whole curriculum to think about people's learning um staff all of this to navigate through what were some of the sort of immediate challenges that you had to think about process because i know that that sort of stuff as a leader would really help people because a lot of them obviously be in the same boat but what were some of those upfront challenges for you john um initially and then we'll talk a little bit about some of the opportunities that they might have either turned into or are presenting as mm -hmm. we go forward. yeah oh I, i mean one of the immediate challenges was that um the week before we went into lockdown we had our our four yearly um review by the government by the New Zealand Qualifications Authority so this is a really big thing high stakes it's a bit yeah. like um in um what's the um what's the term that's used for a review of a school when it when it gets its big kind of audit oh, yeah. effectively um it's yeah. it's the equivalent and at at a, at a university level and it's a, it's a really big deal So two and a half days of full-on audit, you know, just kind of one panel meeting after another, being mm. grilled. Um, that happened the week before we went into lockdown. So we were sitting there with these assessors from the government, thinking, "Why are we doing this? Like, you know, like <laughs> there are more pressing things to be addressing." Um, sure. So we would go out of these these meetings with the government into you know crisis emergency planning sessions to work out, okay, so what are we going to do? When is lockdown going to happen? It's not far yeah. away. So that was that was an immediate challenge. Um, for us you know the big the big challenge and the question that we were asking immediately was um how do we move not just not just a staff team a, a learning community on online fully but how do we move all of our programs online um yeah. we we offer we offer um certificates diplomas uh, bachelor's level degrees in applied or integrative theology and then we offer a masters program right up to supervising PhD yeah. so the, the full suite and um at the undergraduate level most of our uh, our formal academic courses were um were delivered in a blended format so you could either do it online or you could do it on site at our campus at Pen in Penrose um mm. so that was great for most of our courses we could just say oh look you know if you're an on-site student and we go into lockdown you just do the online version of this course it's fine yeah. um and so that was that was brilliant but but we also offer block courses and so some of those i mean if it's a block course intensive there's no online component you just come up for yeah. a week spend time with us um so we had to quickly move pivot and move all of those into an online format our yeah. masters program if you do a masters of applied theology with us then all of that's block format so none of that was easily immediately available online yeah wow. but probably even harder than that was we have these formation programs we you know we're really hard at curious um and we want to form leaders for ministry and mission 
Um, mm. And that's a whole lot more than just depositing knowledge or information or, sure. or academic learning. I mean, that's really important. Mm. You know, I think understanding the, the the mission of God, understanding the gospel, understanding the, our fucker papa as, you know, the people of God, all of that's really important to being a good leader. But it's only one component. That's got to be integrated with skills, you know, the yeah. practice of leadership. You've got to have a go and be be integrating what you're learning out there in the field with, with you know, what you're learning in the classroom. And then we work really hard at, at the face-to-face engagement with those students that are on our, our ministry formation program. We, we try and disrupt them so that they become so, um, kind of, in some ways, exposed to pressure and stress that yeah. what's inside them emerges, comes to the surface. Mm, and then we say, okay, that's what you need to deal with. And we're going to walk with you yeah. because if you're going to be a leader that's resilient and 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 lasts and endures and is effective, and a lot of it will come down to your character and your spirituality. So we've got to work on that, your, your foundations. Yeah. So we've always said to our students, if you really want to go through a, a really significant ministry formation process, you need to be on site with us in our learning community at, at Kerry. Um, yeah. And so, you know, going into a lockdown mode where all of this formation has to happen online how does that work well <laughs> for me the experience was not so much oh how are we gonna how are we gonna how are we gonna handle this um you know as a leadership team at Kerry in the middle of this crisis for me it was a matter of standing back and saying what isn't God incredible that he and hasn't he been faithful to us he graciously right. providentially directed us I think last year Mm. to start putting our formation programs online. And that was something that we sensed we needed to do um, in order to serve the church more effectively right across Aotearoa. So this year, and we've been planning it for months, but this year we we started it at the end of February. We had three weeks, four weeks of running an online blended formation program. And Mm. then COVID-19 hits. And so we say to our ministry training team, you need to go online completely. And they were like, Okay, sweet. We're already yeah. started. We've ironed out all the bugs. We've had a month's pilot. Boom, we can do that. Yeah. So there was just the sense that God had almost, you know, positioned us for this. Yeah. Um, and that even goes so far as to um, you know, I guess the staff team, you know, two years mm. ago and then even five weeks before COVID nineteen hit, we employed a new systematic theologian, Krista McCurland. And she brought with her a husband who's got experience in IT and pedagogy and, you know, learning support, you know, at a university level. And and he said, look, I've got a bit of spare time. I'm minding the kids. I'm a house husband, but love to help. And um, he was just perfectly positioned to resource us to make the online shift, you know, like fully online. So, So for me, I mean, it's not a great insight into, you know, how you lead. It's a case of, I guess, testifying to the leadership of Jesus. You know, we always right. say, Kerry, um, you know, I might be the principal and we might have a leadership team that I work with, but ultimately the shepherd of our community, the leader of this college, sure. the CEO is Jesus. And um, yeah. and and that's been my experience. He, he's led us wonderfully because he knows yeah. what's going to happen, you know? Yeah, yeah and I, th- I think, um, I mean, just listening to your corridor there, I think about some of the things you, you had mentioned around the fact that for ourselves it's instead of always trying to to press in i'm hearing that sometimes it's about actually stepping back and saying you know lord uh what are you doing uh what are you in control of and and i also even think the leadership lesson around that he has positioned and and 
using what you have, using who God has, has brought along and allowing them to do those things are also really great leadership insights. Because I think a lot of a lot of the time um, in crisis mode, people can feel like they need to control everything and grab everything. Yeah. yeah. And, and and you would know that. Eh? It's too, yeah. One, it's too much. But yeah. two, you know, he gives you a team. He gives you yeah. other leaders for a reason that you can yeah. impart and release. And this is the moment where they, they step yeah. up and they shine. Yeah. And you really yeah. see what it's, what they're made of, eh? Totally. And I, I mean, I think um, this is where it comes home to roost, eh? You know, have you have mm. you made good good decisions and the people that have you've you've appointed, yeah. and um, and have you been investing in one another? And do you have a culture that enables them to then rise up and and to and to express what God has placed in them for a moment like this? I think I think for me, you know, one of the lessons has been is I haven't had to come anywhere near close to micromanaging. But I think I agree, that's yeah. one of the, the, the temptations. Um, and for me, I guess one of my reflections would be that there have been times when you know our academic director has been working with our teaching team, the faculty, to get all of our programs realigned for an online world. Um, yeah. And he's just he knows how to do that. That's his that's his world. Yeah. He he's occupied that so much more than I have. So he's right. just done it. And our executive director's been thinking through compliance and government and property, and and she's she's operated in her sweet spot. That's her charism. That's her gifting. And it's been a case of you know sometimes feeling a bit embarrassed, twiddling my thumbs, thinking, okay, so, so what do I do? And I, I mean, I think I think I think the you know in my case, my leadership responsibility through through this these last few weeks mm-hmm. has been to try and help us keep our eyes on Jesus. As a, as a community, um, there's, there's, I mean, we're stuffed if we stop listening to him and looking to him. You know, yeah. at the beginning of the year, we we decided that for our chapel, um, for our worship together as as a learning community, we would make Psalm 121 our our um our focus, our theme. So you know, I lift yeah, yeah. my eyes to the hills, to the mountains, to the maunga. Where does right. my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And that's been such a gripping psalm for us, particularly as we've moved into this whole crisis. There's been a sense like, yeah, you know, Jesus knew what what was coming. And he's been saying to us, keep looking to me, keep listening to me. So Mm -hmm. tomorrow, our, our senior management team, we're actually going to connect for three, four hours and and reflect on so where is where is the Lord? leading us in this what's he saying right um yeah. you know we we had our ideas at the beginning of the year but maybe the spirit is speaking through this and what new opportunities are emerging and and there's some really significant ones like we you know we decided as i was saying you know last year that that really the next step for us amongst other things is to really enhance and extend our online blended learning yeah well you know we thought okay Maybe in three years we'll get to you know this point, and that happened in in the space of you know one week, um, yeah. <laughs> just simply because we were forced to go into that place, you know. And so I think yeah. there's there's lots that we're doing differently now, and it would be such a shame to not be reflecting and thinking about what do we need to preserve from this mm. from this time in the season that's actually going to change the way we operate going forwards. Yeah, we've got a few questions here. We're going to kickstart with. Um, I'm going to bring this first one up that I can see uh, from Cammy. Uh, hardest and easiest thing about running a school, mm-hmm. college. Mm. I think. Um, I think one of the hardest things 
um, this is just springs to mind initially, is that you have, mo- in our case, multiple stakeholders. So we, mm. we're serving the church. That's our primary calling, is to raise up leaders, to equip those that have been identified with leadership ability to serve the church, right. to engage in mission. Um, but then alongside the church, we've also got the government that's funding us in some measure to provide yeah. the service that we do. And um, and so, uh, you know, you've got you've got these two bodies. One's, one group is, is not at all committed to the Christian gospel. Um, and, you, and so they're asking for certain kinds of yeah, compliance outcomes, those kinds of things. So sometimes it, sometimes it can get just not, not confusing, but just you can feel the tension uh, trying to yeah. serve the needs of multiple stakeholders. That would be one of the challenges. Mm. The easiest yeah. thing, like Kerry, is you're surrounded by um, by really godly, gifted, beautiful teaching and you know faculty staff members. Sometimes yeah. it feels as though, and then not only them, but the students. I mean, they come be often because they just want to grow in their faith. They want to they want to um, they want to walk in the ways of Jesus. They want to be used by Him to to make a difference in this world for His kingdom. And when you're in a community like that, sometimes I have to kind of pinch myself and think. Does this yeah. really work? Like, I feel like <laughs> I want to participate in a community like this for a job. You know, like it's it's amazing. Yeah. It's like, no, it's like I'm on in a discipleship program. Um, <laughs> I'm going, it's really cool. No, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, we've got one from William Flesher here. Do you have people in your life who hold you accountable, and what does that look like? Yeah, great question, William. Um, yeah, I do. Uh, I have um, I have a spiritual director, so I um. For a number of years now, I had a break there for a wee while, but um, when she moved out of Auckland, but I've decided to to resume meeting with her just on mm. on you know FaceTiming online. So I meet with her once a month, and um, and she asks me hard questions about my relationship with Jesus, and um, right. you know, and how I'm going there. Really important because I, I there's a book by a guy called uh, Carson Pugh. Who made he made a statement about Christian leadership. He says it's really scary how the more you go on in leadership as a Christian, the less people feel that they are able to ask you, how's it going with Jesus, you and Jesus? Yeah. Because they assume that if you're a leader, a Christian leader, obviously yep. everything's going great. And I, I think um so I think that's a danger for Christian leaders mm-hmm. sometimes. And so it's really good having someone who can ask you those questions and, and provide encouragement and speak wisdom in. So I have someone like that, but I also have um, good mates going way back to school, way back to those Easter camps yeah. who, you know, who I, I continue to journey with. One of them's an Anglican vicar. Um, you know, we meet up every month and, <laughs> um, and have honest cordial. So yeah. yeah, I have a few people like that. No, that's great, John. Um, I really appreciate that insight. We've got one from Amy here. You know, this is a really deep theological one. Uh, John, what is a hobby and you enjoy and your favourite snack? Great. <laughs> um, a hobby that I enjoy? Um, uh, yeah, so, I mean, like, I don't know if you could call it a hobby, but, I, you know, I love running, cycling, swimming, triathlon, that kind of stuff. Um, I guess, I mean, I love sport. So I, I, I love watching it. I love playing it. Mm. I love playing touch rugby with the family. Um I love, uh, I mean, I'm watching, great, great comment earlier, Bodie, Bodie um, the, the Last Dance. I mean, I just, yeah, yeah. man, what a great series. Just yeah, compelling. Yeah. Such a good Amazing, narrative. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Really good. Yeah. So, um, so that, oh, yeah, they would be the closest things to hobbies. I love reading. I just love reading. I really, I mean, leader, you know, leaders are readers, right? I think yep. that's just um, a really, really important principle. So I love reading. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And, and Bodhi did bring up your, your favorite snack. And look, for you to oh, have yeah. that, that, that rock and body you have, so athletic, 
<laughs> it must it must be kale chips or something like that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've had about I've had about three or four biscuits and 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 a big <laughs> slab of chocolate cake today. Oh, oh. no, I, I am. I, just, I quite I love. I mean, I, you know, some people say they've got a sweet tooth, and some people say that you know, like they 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 really get a lot of salt, savoury yeah. kind of tooth. I, I just love everything, and um, and pretty much if you if you exercise heaps. You can eat anything, and it doesn't yeah. really matter. Ah. That's the reason. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so, unfair, eh, <laughs> so unfair, Abe. But that's pies, awesome. give me a pie. I love oh, a good pie. Yeah. Mm. Pies are good. Uh, from Osei, this is a this is a big one. Apart from not enjoying your legal role, did your faith conviction contribute to how you saw the le- uh, the legal progression it did for me? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, mm. so I, I only ever practiced you know, just for a couple of years as a, as a civil and commercial uh, litigation solicitor. So I was, I was working in court and, um, uh, you know, I, I guess for me, I don't, I'm not sure if it was, uh, it was my faith informing this, but one of my observations was that the system, it felt so compromised by the expense, the financial expense, as well as the length and the pressure that the system imposed on some, some, um, some clients. So that even if they'd won, they they felt like they'd lost, you know. Mm. Um, so you know, you, you've won. You know, you've either got the settlement you wanted, or you actually got the adjudication you wanted. And they say, "Yeah, but I've lost my house. It's cost me three years of of unbelievable stress, and and this doesn't feel like a just outcome." And God's, mm. you know, God is a God of justice. It's really interesting when you read the Bible in the Old Testament. You know, it's almost as if God says, "Hi." Um, Pleased to meet you. My name's God. This is this is what I'm like. I, I I really care for widows and orphans and refugees. He says that a time and time again. Like like I really want those who are vulnerable and and oppressed to be cared for. I want relationships to be the way they should be. And um, I mean, it's just justice. He God is a God of justice. And so I um I looked at at the legal profession and thought this is a beautiful thing because it's aimed in the direction of justice. But I also saw some of the weaknesses and the struggles in the system too. Yeah. Mm. Here we go. I'll ask. I'll ask the question as it was posed. <laughs> uh, question: How are you handling those who aren't very motivated to turn up to online classes? Uh, so not not quite lazy students, but but you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So um. Yeah. I mean, there's a real challenge. That, that's one of the challenges that we're facing. Hey, eh? there's nothing like. Um, I mean, there is a, there is a certain pedagogy, a, a kind of a style of teaching and instruction and learning that suits the classroom, and it's very different online, and, and it's making mm. that transition. Um, that's you know, it's a steep learning curve. So mm. I think we're in the process of, of of learning how to motivate students who don't want to come. How do we do this thing better? Um, yeah. But one of I really believe that the best learning comes out of the context of relationship. You know, we, um, you know, ultimately you learn best when those you're learning with, you know, and those that are instructing or, or coaching you, you, you know. And so we try and work really hard at relationships. So if, if as a student, you know that your lecturer cares for you and that, you know, they've actually got time for you and they've shared something of your life, their life and they're passionate about what they believe, then you're much more likely, I think, to, to be engaged and, and committed to journeying, even when it's a bit difficult. Um, so one of the things we do is we work really hard and we put a lot of resource into providing student support, pastoral care for our students. Um, so that's one of the things that we're doing is we're just constantly, a number of the team are constantly on the phone or on Zoom, connecting with students, just saying, how's it going? How can we help? What do you particularly need? You know, um, 
and, and amongst other things, we're also, you know, surveying students and you know, like, what's working for you? How can we change our practice? What would you suggest? And then mm. responding to that, closing the loop, um, mm. you know, just listening to students is a big part of, of learning how to serve them better so that they want to come to class. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to ask Bodhi first. And then, John, the question is real simple. Or the, the, the thought is, what's, what is it that, what, that one thing, either an encouragement or that thing that's on your heart and your spirit right now that you believe God is saying to you and to us, uh, maybe in this season that we could leave with people? So the first thought that came to mind when you mentioned it, um, Cliff, was, um, was this just a, a word about, about the sovereignty of God. Um, I, was, I, was, I was teaching this week about... Um, a figure from from history who um, went through incredible difficulties. I, I won't I won't name them, but just mm. such an incredible period of difficulty. And the question I asked the class was, "How do you think they managed to endure that to to get through that crisis and um, come out the other side, um, not all beaten up and and buckled?" And um, yeah. and and what we know from that person is that they had a really big view of God and and God's sovereignty. His, he was convinced that even though he was experiencing this really difficult time of resistance and opposition and criticism and abuse from people around him, that um, that God somehow mysteriously was sovereign over everything um, and he could stop it mm. as soon as he wanted to and he wasn't causing it, but he was somehow for some reason permitting it and and was promising that he would bring good out of it, as he, as he says, you know, in all things, in all things. God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Um, so I, I would just want to say that God is sovereign over your life and over your circumstances. COVID-19 didn't take him by surprise um, and, and your circumstances he knows about and he can bring good out of this crisis and he can bring good out of what you're going through right now. Well, there you have it. There was our conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. And I pray that you found something valuable that came from that, that you can apply to your life. The real key is not just learning information, it's what you do with it, how you apply it, and where you place it in your life. I want to encourage you today that if you need to talk to someone, please do, please reach out to somebody at the Render Gathering, or if you're part of an, another church or another organization that can do that, we encourage you to do that as well. My name is Cliff Thompson. It, again, is a privilege to be able to host you here on Render Radio. Oh, 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 oh,